cruise ship vacations are meant to be a time for relaxation, to sail away on the open sea and soak up the sunshine. It's a time when you can help yourself to the all-you-can-eat buffets, watch a Broadway show, or even dance the night away. Sounds like fun, right? Well, it was not fun for the victims on today's countdown. When they booked their vacation, they probably didn't think they'd be going home in a body bag, or not at all. By the time we get to number one, you'll probably only want to take land-based vacations in the future. Hey, all you weirdos. Welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 cruise ship horrors. I have been on exactly one cruise in my life, and... I'm not positive it's the vacation for me because, (laughs) one, I am very terrified of the deep ocean. Yep. So it really kind of just places me, boop, right in the middle of my greatest nightmare. Yeah. I remember when you told me you were going on a cruise and I was like, you know, it's on water the whole time, (laughs) right? A cruise on land? (laughs) What? No. I also have only been on one cruise and it was like a surprise cruise. I remember this. Mm-hmm. I had just started dating my now fiance, Drew, in September of that year. And then I spent Christmas with his family and we're like all opening our Christmas gifts. And his mom's like, I have one more surprise for everybody. And she told us that she booked a cruise to Bermuda. And I was like, oh, that's so nice for them. Like, I hope they have so much that's fun. That's so awesome. And then Drew was like, no, like, you're invited too. And I was like, oh, I'm like so new to the family. This is great. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And I definitely recommend getting the spa package for some deep relaxation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the best choice I made. And you know what? It kind of sounds like your cruise was a lot more fun and relaxing than literally anyone on this list. Yeah. Any of their experiences. Mm-hmm. And my number one combines cruising with murder. Oh. It's a situation where someone trusted someone else enough to get on a boat in the middle of the ocean. You have to trust someone to do that. Of course. And that trust was betrayed in the worst way. Yeah, I have to say I'm pretty glad that my cruise did not combine cruising with murder and also glad that these stories did not apply to my trip because I can't imagine being on a boat in like the middle of nowhere and just having these horrible things happen with pretty much no way to get out of there. Like I cannot imagine that. Yeah, no thank you. But, you know, this whole thing is going to go down. Elena has five cruise ship horrors and so do I, but neither of us knows what's on the other's list. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 and two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and My Lotto Rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Tamara Tucker. Tamara Tucker and her longtime partner, Eric Newman, booked a cruise to the Bahamas for Tucker's 50th birthday. But after some celebratory drinks on the ship, things didn't go as planned. Tamara Tucker was a mother and grandmother and also professor of social work. On January 18th, 2018, the couple boarded the Carnival Elation cruise ship in Jacksonville, Florida. From there, the ship would take them to the Bahamas and then back again to Florida. Around midnight on January 18th, following a night of heavy drinking, Eric and Tamara went to their room on the 14th floor of the cruise ship. Once in their room at approximately 12.15 a.m. on January 19th, they got into a heated argument. Eric strangled Tamara and pushed her over the balcony railing where she fell to her death on the 11th deck. She died from blunt trauma to the head. Tamara's family wrote in her obituary that she was, quote, dedicated to public service, teaching and advocating for social justice and safety for those that could not fend for themselves. Oh, that's so sad. It's horrible. In December 2019, Eric Newman pleaded guilty to second-degree murder with malice aforethought. He was sentenced to 12 years in federal prison for second-degree murder. Nine. Number nine on our countdown is Darla Banner. Salem, Ohio couple John Carl Banner and Darla Jean Banner married in October 2014. Just five months into their marriage, the couple, who were both in their 50s, would be found dead on a cruise ship. On March 29, 2015, John and Darla headed out on a 14-day cruise that started in Tampa, Florida. Four days later, while docked in Puerto Rico, their bodies were discovered in their room by members of the ship's crew. They died in an apparent murder-suicide. A lawsuit filed by Darla's estate against John's estate accused John Banner of forcefully striking his wife, as well as strangling her. There were also apparently signs of asphyxiation and choking. Oh, wow. This was absolutely brutal. brutal, yeah. Following their deaths, the FBI contacted the Salem Police Department to see if they could find out more about the couple. Because you're like, what happened Yeah, how did this get so escalated? Now, this is where it gets weird. The police said that in December 2014, just two months after the Banner's wedding, John Banner, quote, accidentally stabbed Darla in the chest. What? The police said that Banner had an old military-style dagger and that he tripped over a rug and fell into Darla, stabbing her in the center of her chest. But the police said it was just a freak accident. She recovered, and three months later, they boarded their final cruise. I'm sorry, they believed the story that like this man is just holding a knife, yeah, tripped on a rug, 
And stabbed her directly center in the chest. And his arm went like with enough force to stab her in the chest. And he was also holding that knife outright in the way that you would hold it to, to stab, stab somebody. someone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Eight. At number eight is Christy Manzanares. On July 24, 2017, the Manzanares family from Utah set off on their family vacation, an Alaskan cruise ship adventure. But just a day into their trip, their lives tragically changed forever. On July 25, 2017, husband and wife Christy and Kenneth Manzanares got into an argument. It started when Christy reportedly told Kenneth that she wanted a divorce and that she wanted him to get off the ship. Ooh. Kenneth told his two daughters, who were in the cabin, to leave. They both went into an adjoining room where relatives were staying. Not long after, the girls heard their mother screaming, and they tried to get back in their room, but their father told them not to enter. Oh my god. So this is in just one day Horrific. into their trip. Instead, they went to the connected balcony and witnessed their father beating their <gasps> mother. One of Christie's brothers managed to get into the room and saw Kenneth dragging Christie's body toward the balcony. The brother grabbed her legs and pulled her back into the room. This is horrifying. And this is one day into your beautiful Alaskan adventure. Oh my God. At 9 p.m., the ship's medical and security people arrived, but it was too late for <gasps> Christy. She was dead. The cause? Blunt force trauma to the head and face. Their father had beaten their mother to death in front of them. In front of them. On a cruise ship. And next to a room full of their relatives. Wow. During Kenneth's trial, the defense claimed that he had brain abnormalities from playing contact sport. Okay. Totally. This combined with what was at the time an undiagnosed bipolar disorder could have resulted in an act of violence. People will truly try anything. I was going to say, uh, no. It's like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. No. Christy and Kenneth's daughters made statements to the court. When one of the daughters finished hers, she told her father that she loved him. Wow. In June 2021, Kenneth Manzanares was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison. But just a month later, he was found dead in his cell. Cause of death wasn't reported. That also should have been life in prison. Absolutely. If you physically beat someone to death in front of their children. Yeah, I would say yeah. that calls for a life sentence. Ugh. So sad. It's crazy how all these so far are like a day into the trip. I know, that's wild. Seven. Number seven on our countdown of cruise ship horrors is Almarosa Tenorio. According to her children, Almarosa Tenorio had a premonition that something bad was going to happen to her on a planned cruise with her husband, Leo Tenorio. Oh, that always freaks me out, too, when, like, people know that something's going to happen. And it happens a lot. It does. It's like a very strange phenomenon. Trust your gut, man. On November 13th, 2018, the Royal Princess ship was sailing between the islands of Curaçao and Aruba. 52-year-old Almarosa Tenorio was on the 16th floor of the cruise ship when she fell onto a lifeboat several stories below. Oh my gosh. Witnesses reported that they saw Almarosa fighting with a man before she fell, and that man appeared to be choking her. This seems to be a weird theme through I here. I know. Why are so many people getting choked on cruise ships? Almarosa's death was ruled unnatural. Yeah. 
After the incident, ABC News spoke to the couple's children, who said that their mother was acting oddly before she and their father left for their cruise on November 9th. They also said that their parents were using the trip as a chance to work on their marriage. Oh, man. Their son said that the night before his mother left, she hugged him for about five minutes and said, quote, it might be the last hug you get from me. Oh, my goodness. Don't go. That is like wrenching my heart. That's so, so sad. Almarosa's husband, Leo, was questioned as a witness, but was never investigated as a suspect. I'm sorry, why? He told ABC News, quote, her death will haunt me forever. I'm sure it will, sir. Wow. Why was he not looked at further? I don't know. Like, already we know that their marriage was having some troubles. You would think that you would at least talk to him as a person of interest. Usually the spouse is the first one they go to no matter what. Of course. Even without any trouble brewing. And it's like you, I'm assuming they didn't really know many other people on the ship. It's like you only know each other. So who has motive here? Eek. Six. At number six this week is the murder of Shirley McGill. Robert and Shirley McGill were high school sweethearts who rediscovered their love for each other later in life. They reunited over the internet and married in 2003. But only a few years after that reunion, a brutal murder would separate them forever. In July 2009, to celebrate Shirley's retirement and both her and Robert's upcoming birthdays, the couple headed out on a Mexican cruise. On July 14th, 2009, only three days into their cruise, a passenger contacted the ship's security and told them that they thought a woman might be dead. That woman was Shirley McGill. When security officers got to the McGills' cabin, there was a quote-unquote privacy please sign on the door. Chilling. Very much so. They found Shirley's body in a pool of blood on the bathroom floor and blood was splattered around the cabin. Robert McGill was not in the room. So who called and said there might be a dead person? Very weird. I don't know. Inside of a room. And there might be when there's like blood. That's weird. Yeah. I'm like, what tipped you off? What happened here? The next day, 20 FBI agents intercepted the ship and interviewed Robert and more than 50 witnesses. Wow. Robert admitted to the FBI he killed his wife in the bathroom of their cabin with his bare hands. Wow. An FBI agent reported that Robert McGill's knuckles appeared as if he had been in a fight. Shirley's cause of death was from strangulation and blunt force injury to the head and torso. What is happening on cruise ships? Please, somebody let us know. It was later revealed after the murder, Robert had changed clothes and gone to one of the decks where he smoked a cigar and had drinks with another couple. Imagine being that other couple. No, thank you. Robert McGill's lawyer said that he was extremely intoxicated when he beat his wife, so much so he had no clear memory of what provoked him or what happened. That's always so convenient, isn't it? And it's also like plenty of people get intoxicated and don't murder their spouse. Exactly. That's not an excuse or something that's going to get you off of this. And it's the classic, I blacked out, I have no idea. Yeah, right. According to witnesses who had seen Robert McGill the day of the murder, he could barely walk when he returned to the ship. When CBS News spoke with a neighbor of the McGills, they said, quote, Bob and Shirley never said anything negative about each other. I saw Bob a couple of days before they left. He was excited. He was looking forward to it. That's horrifying. Like, no signs of anything wrong. And this isn't just, like, 
an accident or something that happened. This is he like physically beat his wife to death. The fact that there was blood everywhere and it was from him beating her. And his knuckles looked like he had been in a fight. Because he was. Wow. Robert McGill was charged with killing his wife on July 14th, 2009, the day of his birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. He was sentenced to life in prison. Good. In 2011, Robert McGill told one of his friends in a letter, quote, there's more to this story than has been reported. Yeah, because no one cares. You beat your wife to death. The end. Exactly. Case closed. Hi, I'm Christine Schieffer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. Also on our list at number five is Scott Rostin and Karen Waltz. On February 13th, 1988, honeymooners Karen Waltz and Scott Rostin hit rocky waters in their relationship when Karen, quote unquote, fell off the cruise ship that was taking them from Los Angeles to Mexico. Scott Rostin told investigators that his wife was blown off the ship by the wind while they were taking a moonlit walk on the upper deck. Seems a little far-fetched, considering the winds were no more than five miles per hour that day. What? Yeah. I just became speechless. I've actually read about this one before, and it never ceases to amaze me. He just was like, yeah, swept away. She just whoop. Off she went. We were on a very romantic moonlit walk, walk, just celebrating love. And then the wind that was five miles an hour. Carried her away. Barely enough to, like, move a piece of paper. Just carried her right away. Sir. And when Scott Rostin met with authorities, he had fresh scratch marks, three gouges, and a six-inch gash on his face. He said he got them while trying to save his wife. Oh, I was going to ask if the wind also did that. Yeah, you know how the wind can just gash up your face. For sure. Yep. He later changed his story and told investigators that he was framed for the murder of his wife by the Israeli government. Oh. So if you thought for one second that he was going to, like, take it down a notch, no. No, he just took it up three notches further. Turned it right to 11. Turbo. For context, Scott Rostin wrote a book called Nightmare in Israel, which it should be said was self-published. Had a feeling. Right. In it, he described what he thought was an expose of countless crimes committed by the Israeli government. So that's why he's using this whole tie. Nice. Karen's body was found more than 20 miles off the coast of San Diego 10 hours after the incident. 
Passengers who were on the ship said they had seen the couple fighting on the ship, and some passengers testified that Rostin seemed annoyed at his wife's eating habits. And just the fact that other passengers knew how he felt about his wife's eating habits tells you everything. That, you exactly. Know. People noticed it is like, what were you doing? Right. The coroner's report said the cause of death was by drowning. But there were also signs of ding, ding, ding strangulation. What is it about cruise ships? Seriously. Karen's body had a goose egg type bump on her forehead, and there were indications of blunt force injuries and abrasions, as well as a tiny puncture wound below her left breast. I wonder what that was about. Scott Rostin was found guilty of second degree murder on the high seas and sentenced to 33 years in prison. Should have been more. Yep. Rostin's attorney said, quote, Scott feels it's incomprehensible for anyone to believe that he would have killed his wife that he loved very dearly. He loved her so dearly he was criticizing her about the way she ate on vacation to the point where other people noticed. And claimed that the five mile an hour wind just took her. Yeah, that's just something. Yeah, the wind is an excuse that will live in infamy. I have never heard that case before. When you said that, my jaw, I'm sure you saw, yeah. dropped. Like, I literally was like, I'm sorry, what? These poor women. That's the thing. It's like, what is going on? And then, like, they think they're going to save their marriage, but they're worried they don't want to go. Like, the fact that Almarosa was so scared to go on this vacation yes. that she hugged her son for that long. And said, this might be the last time I hug you. Like, she knew. Yeah. It's so sad. And it's like you're in these, it's not going to help. No. And especially don't go on a cruise. Like you're stuck on there together. If you're going on a vacation to try to like work on your marriage, go somewhere where you can get away from each other. Precisely. Yeah. Four. All right, let's jump back in with number four on our countdown of cruise ship horrors. Starting off the second half of our list, the death of Diane Brimble. Within 24 hours of boarding a cruise ship in 2002, Diane Brimble was found dead. Initial reports said that the Australian woman died of a heart attack, but it was later revealed that she had ingested the club drug GHB. Ooh. On the 23rd of September 2002, Diane Brimble, her 12-year-old daughter, and a few other relatives headed out on the P&O ship Pacific Sky for a 10-day cruise. Their trip would take them to the island of Vanuatu in the South Pacific Ocean. It had taken Diane a few years to save for the trip. That first night on the ship, Diane went to the ship's disco where she met several guys who she was later seen leaving with in the early hours of the morning. One of those men was Mark Wilhelm, whose cabin she went to. While in the cabin, he allegedly gave Diane a water bottle capful of GHB, also known as liquid ecstasy, that he later claimed she asked for. According to the Sydney Morning Herald newspaper, a buddy of Mark's was later reported seen walking along the corridors of the ship naked in a drug-induced stupor. Oh. At 8.43 a.m., the ship's nurse was called to the cabin where Diane was found blue in the face and not breathing. According to reports, explicit photos were taken of Diane's body as she lay dead in the cabin. That's horrific. So, so horrific. The toxicologist said that Diane had multiple doses of GHB in her body at the time of death. She died of an overdose of alcohol and GHB. 
The PO staff allowed Wilhelm and his friends to clean out their cabin before authorities arrived on the scene. Are you kidding? Like, really? That's exactly why the police are coming, to get evidence from that cabin. Like, come on. Are we back in the 1800s where we just let everybody walk through crime scenes now? Are you new here? Oy. During the trial that followed, evidence provided to the court showed that Diane took the drug with consent and that she had consensual sex with Mark Wilhelm. Mark Wilhelm pleaded guilty to supplying Diane with the drug, but he was spared a jail term. Wow. The judge noted that it was a cause of social drug supply and that Diane Brimble agreed to take the drug before having sex with Mark Wilhelm. That is sad. It's tragic. Landing at number three this week is Gay Gibson. Did the actor Gay Gibson die of natural causes, or was she pushed out of a ship's porthole during a voyage? This question is still being asked more than 60 years after her untimely death. In October 1947, Gay Gibson was traveling from South Africa to England on a luxury ship. But as the ship crossed the equator, she mysteriously disappeared. When detectives were finally able to get on board the ship, they questioned one of the ship's deckhands. That deckhand was James Cam, who had a reputation for having relations with female passengers. Dun dun. Cam admitted to sleeping with Gibson, and he told authorities that she got sick when they were together. He also said that just before she died, she started, quote, frothing at the mouth. Something you should definitely tell someone. I was going to say, did you uh, report that to anybody? No, no Call help. anyone? He panicked when he realized she was dead. And so he threw her body out of a porthole. Yeah, because no one's going to realize that she's gone. No. That makes a lot of sense. He later said that it was, quote, beastly conduct, but he did it because he was scared to lose his job and his wife. Dude, if you had just called somebody, you at least would have kept your job. I don't know about your wife, but... But here's an interesting twist to the story. In 2018, the BBC reported that an acting colleague of Gibson's, who had once shared a dressing room with her, said that she knew that Gibson had a heart condition. She recalled that Gibson had fainted during rehearsals and her lips would sometimes turn blue. Unfortunately, the colleague didn't give evidence at the trial because her father persuaded her not to get involved. Oh, no. Another colleague of Gibson's who did give evidence also said that he had seen Gibson froth at the mouth. But the court dismissed it because Gibson's mother said her daughter was in good health. Cam was convicted and found guilty of killing Gay Gibson. He was sentenced to hang, but through a loophole, he escaped hanging. Cam was released from prison in 1959, but then he got sent down again for other sexual offenses. So we know who he is. He's not killing it. Cam died in prison in 1979. Up until his death, he claimed he was innocent. Author Anthony Brown wrote a book about the murder and told the BBC that if Gibson did have a condition, and since there was no body, then James Cam could have been telling the truth. He could have, but... How wild would that be if he threw her through a porthole while she was alive? Oh, my God. Either way, he put her through a porthole. I was going to say, dead or alive, like, that's a horrific thing to do to somebody. Guilty no matter what. For real. Wow. I love that this guy literally pushed what he thought was her dead body 
out of a porthole. Right. And then was like, well, wait, she might have a heart condition. She might have been alive when I did that. So actually, like, I'm not in trouble, right? You technically still killed her because she probably drowned. Exactly. So. We can only hope that she was already dead because that would have been so much more horrific. horrific. Yeah. Oh. It's, All it's just so sad. And the saddest thing for me is that most of these people were like supposed to be in love with each other exactly. and celebrating the good times. That's what I'm saying. It's like, what is going on in the cruise ships here? Seriously, it's way too much. And the one that made me especially angry was Diane Brimble, because I feel yes. like she wasn't around to say whether or not she gave consent. So how are they supposed to decide if the sex she had was consensual or That's not? That's the thing. It's like we're taking the people who are alive's word. I don't know. Yeah, we're taking the man who made have killed her his word oh okay yeah sure. i just don't know about that one that makes me so angry well just wait for number one okay two we're down to the final two spots on our countdown of cruise ship horrors at number two is Luigi Louis Campagna. In 1921, Campagna made the New York Times for all the wrong reasons. The headline read, Louis Campagna, wealthy fruit dealer in double killing following wife desertion. Wow, what a headline. Yeah, 1921 was a time. So what did fruit seller Louis Campagna do? Well, on January 8th, 1921, 46-year-old Campania, who had a thing for younger women, decided to ditch his wife and run off with another woman. The other woman was 23-year-old Ernestine Bressel, who was still living with her parents. My goodness. Yeah. Campania didn't just leave behind a wife. He also left behind five kids. Really cool guy. And one of whom was just about to celebrate her 20th birthday. Pretty much the same age as his new girlfriend. He is gross. And he can't even celebrate it with her. I know I just said that the New York Times wrote that Campania was wealthy, but when he took off, it was reported that he was having some trouble with the creditors. You don't say. Yeah. Lewis and Ernestine decided they were going to take a trip on a steamship to Buenos Aires. Now, Ernestine used a fake passport for the journey that presented her as Lewis's wife. When Lewis's actual wife found out <laughs> that they were using a fraudulent passport and that the young woman was passing off as his wife, Miss Campania told the State Department and requested that her husband be returned to the United States. Nothing like a woman scorned. Oh, I would have ruined his vacation if I were her. Me too. When Lewis and Ernestine landed in Buenos Aires, they were not allowed to leave the ship and they had to stay on it for two weeks until it set off back to the United States. Stinks to stink. Stinks to stink. <laughs> it was on the journey home when Lewis took out a gun and shot Ernestine five times and then killed himself. What an escalation in events. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Authorities later discovered that Lewis had married Ernestine Bressel on January 4th, 1921, four days before he left his wife and five kids. Oh, my goodness. So she was his wife also. Wow. Yeah. The escalation there was truly something. Jeez. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 cruise ship horrors. And number one is the murder of Mickey Kanasaki. 
Mickey Kanasaki's ex-husband planned her murder meticulously. Or so he thought. He made one major misstep that got him sent down for life. Mickey Kanasaki and Lonnie Lauren Kokantis got divorced in 2002, but they remained friends and continued living together. But that same year, Kokantis met a woman named Amy Nguyen. He married her in secret in 2005. Things started to get a bit ugly when Kanasaki and Kokantis started arguing about whether they should sell their house. Because remember, they're living together. Oh yeah, that's awkward. A little bit. But no matter their differences and Kokantis' relationship status, they did make the decision to go on a cruise together. So they really are getting along, it seems, at this point. Yeah, and it sounds like they needed to just get away, get on a little vacay. On May 21st, 2006, the exes flew to Spain where they boarded a cruise. Cocantis had specifically asked for a cabin with a balcony. Oh, knowing what's going to happen, that is not okay. Because normally that's just, yeah, you want a balcony. Of course course. I want a balcony, but But, like knowing that he specifically asked for it, I'm like, ugh. Mickey Kanasaki was last seen on the ship at around 11 p.m. on May 25th, and it was either that night or early the next morning when 48-year-old Cocantis killed his 52-year-old ex-wife and threw her into the sea. He reported her missing on May 26th. A couple of days later, her body was discovered floating in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Italy. The autopsy revealed that her lungs were free of water and that she had severe hemorrhaging around her neck, showing that she had been strangled and killed before her body was thrown overboard. Keyword, before. And herein lies Kokantis' big mistake, because Kanasaki was dead before she hit the water. Her lungs were filled with air, not water. You know what that means? It means her body floated instead of sinking. Mm-hmm. After her death, Kokantis received all the money from Kanasaki's accounts and sold their home. Whoa. I love that he's just like, well, right to business. Yeah, let's just go right to it. And let's note here that just before he killed her, he also tweaked their wills so that he became the executor of Kanasaki's estate. So he really planned this out. It's also like, do you not think anybody is going to realize that you did that? He's just running for the finish line. She goes on a cruise with you, ends up dead, and somehow days before you go on this cruise, you became the executor of her will, and you don't think anybody's going to look into that? Exactly, and people know that you've been arguing about selling the house, that there's this whole weirdness going on here, and then you immediately sell the house? Unreal. Unreal. Now, when Cocantis tried to transfer $1 million into his bank accounts, the feds started investigating him. That's usually when they come around. But it wasn't until 2013 when things started turning in the case. Amy Nguyen, now an ex-wife of Cocantis, told an Orange County grand jury that he had told her about his plans to kill Kanasaki. Which, okay. Maybe step in and do something about that. But here's the thing, because the murder took place in international waters, it took about 14 years for a trial to get started. 14 years? 14 years. But because he planned the murder in California, authorities were able eventually to prosecute. In June 2020, after a three-month trial, the jury found Cocantes guilty of first-degree murder because he planned it. Yeah. 
Lonnie Lauren Cocantes was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole after 14 years. See you never goodbye. It also transpired that Cocantes was accused of conspiring to murder his ex-wife, Amy Nguyen, so she wouldn't testify against him. You know, I was thinking that. It's like right? she went forward and obviously told that he had these plans to kill his first ex-wife. But it's like, you must be terrified to be in the position because you're his next ex-wife. I hope she had some protection here. For real. The district attorney on the case said that Cocantis, quote, picked the perfect ship, the perfect stateroom, and the perfect time to kill his ex-wife. And he almost got away with it. I'm so glad that he didn't. The fact that that one took 14 years to prosecute. Yeah. I've never even heard of something. I mean, maybe I have, but one of those rare things where it takes years and years to get. And especially for something that he planned so meticulously. But I love that it was something like it's so tragic all the way around. But I'm so glad it was something that he probably looks at now and is like, I should have known that. Of course. I, I hope it's like. It just punches him in the face every day, like how stupid he is. Drives him absolutely mad. Oh, it's just so off. Honestly, any one of these could have been number one, in my opinion. Same. I can't even say that that was... Because they're all just tragic. I feel like they're all tied. This is all horrible. I agree. Truly. And I don't know of any other ones. I didn't know about most of these, so... The only one that I that just came to mind is Rebecca Coriam. She was on a Disney cruise, and they've never found her body. Yeah, that one's tragic. Very tragic. And there's a lot of, like, weird things that go along with it. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, we'll have to do part two of these, even though it'll be really sad, I guess. I know. These are truly tragic. And especially the one you just mentioned, the fact that they've never found her. So, like, there's no real... Like, what happened? Yeah, exactly. No one knows. And there's a lot of, like, he said, she said. Of course. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I hope you do, you made it this far. You took the cruise with us all the way to the end. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts or you can follow us on Twitter at a morbid podcast or on Instagram at morbid podcast. Keep it weird until Monday and maybe rethink that vacation. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo, with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact-checking by Cara Macerlein. Research by Jay Cahio. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.